Dan Barrero is joining us today on this episode of Truth or, Truth or Comfort, and I appreciate you uh, joining us. You've kind of taken midday out yourself to come on early here. You're East Coast. You're in New York, New York City. Right. Uh, we're, we're over here in uh, Phoenix. It's getting a little warm this time of year, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time and, and spending uh, with us today and uh, sharing with everybody your story. So I would love to talk about how you got involved with real estate, you know, your passion, um, you know, and kind of your trials, tribulations, kind of some of the, you know, I would say issues or um, things that you've had to work through along the way and how it's provided for you and your family and, you know, how that's working out as your, are your kids, you mentioned you have daughters, right? So yep. are they in the real estate game? I'd love to hear all about this and I'm sure the audience would as well. Not to mention, I know you have a unique way of how you negotiate and find deals. And uh, uh, yeah, would, like, would love to talk about that. And you do some coaching as well. So let's talk about all of it. If, yeah, I don't, where would you like to start? How about that? So how long have you been doing real estate for? So I've been doing this since 1989. Um, and, and it's funny, John, I tell everybody the same thing. You know, unless you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you need to leverage your job. So essentially, I would, I've always been self-employed. I always knew I was going to be self-employed. So my first business was in 1985. I opened up a video store, believe it or not. Uh, and I was in that one location for 25 years. And that video store morphed it to uh, beepers. And, you know, at one, at one time, we had 130,000 beeper subscribers that we were managing on a monthly basis. And we didn't have the computer systems that we have now, right? So that was a whole lot of uh, paperwork. And then that, you know, then that grew into the cell phone business, and then eventually we got out of that business. But the entire time, what we were doing was leveraging our our nine to five job, which was that video store that we originally started with. And I would buy properties as I came aware of them, right? Um, and one of the criteria was I I wouldn't buy anything that I couldn't walk to from my office. Um, oh wow! Yeah, because the, if anybody's familiar with the traffic in New York City. It's insanity, right? So I, it could take me an hour just to go eight miles, nine miles. So if it took me an hour going and an hour coming, I just lost two hours in my car that was not productive. Um, eventually, we, we, we started then buying in New Jersey, and then we started buying in Florida. Uh, right now, we are very heavy in Central Florida. Uh, we've got a lot of doors in Central Florida as well. Um, but, you know, our... The entire concept in a short and in in as short as I could put it is we do our fix and flips we take our income uh, from our fix and flips and that's what we do to and then we use that income to buy our long-term holds because mm. the reality is guys in, in, in this business the real money is on the long-term hold um, on the asset appreciation and on the cash flow so that's the, the that's the goal yeah, that that's very similar to my model. Like I'll do the fix and flips to put for down payments on. Yes, you know, a, a commercial asset really right. is typically how we do it. Yeah, very yeah. very similar. So that is the that is, in my opinion, the only way. Otherwise, you're just you're just have a job fixing and flipping. Yeah, you just, you're, you're create, you just you did with buy yourself a job. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. the real money, I've always said it is in the in the in the in the long term hold, you know. So and and it's given me a really good life. I'm not going to kid you. You know, I've got four kids, uh, three have graduated without any student debt, right? 
Um, they've all traveled Europe. I made sure that, that they traveled a minimum of one semester across uh, across Europe. Um, and my last one's in up in uh, Boston, Northeastern, and he's graduating in two years. And you know he'll also graduate with no debt. So it, it's provided us a really good life, a really good life. That's great. I love to hear that. So you talked early on about like without the silver spoon, like let's talk about like, you know, what drove you to get into real estate? So I, I, I come from first generation. Uh, I'm first generation born here in the States. So okay. having said that, you know, my parents always pushed education. My uncles, my aunts always pushed education. I, and I come from a very large family. Um, and it's funny because our first, the first generation born here, we've all done extremely well as a result of not only what our parents told us, but the way they showed us how to live, right? Um, mm -hmm. They were constantly working. There was never an excuse. Um, things happen, so what? Move on, you know? Um, so as I was growing up, I realized in the neighborhood I was in, all the, stop, the, the shopkeepers, the store owners, they would all buy the buildings eventually that they, were, they had their local stores on, in, right? And then they eventually would buy the building across the street or one down the corner. And... When, you know, by the time I was a teenager growing up in the same neighborhood, I said, wait a minute, these guys are doing pretty damn good, especially when they're selling, you know? And so by the time I graduated from college, I came right back to the old neighborhood, and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So you saw, like, okay, this is, essentially, you saw what people were doing, like, I'm going to duplicate that process. This in is the beginning part, that yes. I want, I'm going to do, do what they've done, get what they've got. Yeah, and, and listen, my father had a, had a grocery store, a bodega. In, in Brooklyn, and I grew up in that store, and I would, I he would, he was friendly with the other storekeepers, and you know, you hear them talking all the time, and it, it, I guess I was exposed to it, without mm -hmm. realizing I was exposed to it, although we weren't in that side of the business, right? Um, so when I got graduated from college, I remember I came to my dad and I says, I got a four-year plan, and we're all going to be rich, and that's exactly when I started my four-year plan. Okay. At the end of the four years is when I bought my act, my first property uh, for $72,000. I still own that property. It's a two-family pre-war brick construction. Um, and Very it's probably cool. worth about, it. yeah, it's about probably worth about $2.6 right now. Wow. Because of its location, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some growth right there. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I mean, did I plant? I, okay, I didn't plant that side of it. I mean, I thought it would grow in... An asset value, but I didn't. Did I think it was going to grow up to that amount? No, that that happened to be a lot of uh, luck and 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 staying the course. If that helps, you know. Yeah, and you know, not to mention some sacrifice along the way. Like you oh, sacrificed. You could have, you could have sold that many times over and over, and no one would fault you for it, right? Right. The fact right. that like it still produces for you to this day. I bet you it. It probably outproduces in an annual basis what you, what you uh, buy. I'll for. I'll tell you exactly. It's 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 averaging almost seventy five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, because right. it, remember we're in New York, right? The rents are much. Everything's relative, right? The scales right. are different, right? So yes, it's it's. I mean, where where can you possibly have put seventy two thousand uh, dollars? And and I got I got I got to put something. We probably spent another thirty thousand renovating it back then. Uh, and we were doing it ourselves um, at night, you know, after work, right? Because um, we couldn't afford to to do it any other way. 
but um, let's say we're into it for 100, 110. You know, right. It's a $7,500 return, you know, 31 years later, and, and, and the asset appreciation's over $2 million. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's phenomenal, and I think that's exactly why people should be investing in real estate for the long term, not only for the cash flow and the monthly, but also the appreciation, but more importantly, the inflation, right? So, oh, yes. So you get a hedge against inflation in investing in real estate, which, you know, you could do those fix and flips or not do any of it. You still have to, you still have to, you know, be investing in something that's going to help with inflation. You know, I think we'll see some more inflation yeah. here coming through with how much money's sitting out there, which, you know, holding assets like you have are just going to continue to rise. You know, so and I just got a, I just got a question asked to me, was it two days ago, asking me, why am I still holding on to my properties in New York when I'm so diversified where I could also move that money to Jersey or um, Florida, where Florida's going through an incredible growth, right? Um, and my argument was, where am I possibly going to get the same return with the numbers I purchased is that on properties that's already paid off or it's given me tons and tons of cash flow, providing a really good life. Um, right. And I never count New York City out, you know, for, for whatever reasons, it's always bounced back. We did lose a lot of value as a result of COVID. People were like leaving the city in droves. Um, right. But they're starting to come back gradually again. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know. New Yorkers, I think, are pretty resilient, so I'm not concerned about. I'm not worried about you guys at all. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you got going. You bought your first property. I mean, it's quite a, you know, big jump between you know buying your first property and now, you know, doing the land acquisitions that you're doing. Uh, you're helping other people help you know help see and accomplish their dreams and real using real estate as that vehicle right um and then there's you know so that that's a big jump and i'm sure there's some you know some skin knees you fell down along the way we all have those you know those injuries that you know we all have these stories right it's and it could typically be like we all have stories on a property right it's not like it's ever very seldomly does it go perfect but you learn to roll with it, right? And you learn to adjust and, you know, the big John, what you just it. described was the second property I ever bought, which was Park Slope, Brooklyn. It was a two family, two stores. Um, I knew I was overbuying. I thought I was overbuying. I didn't realize how, by how much I was overbuying. Mm -hmm. That mortgage was with Greenpoint Savings Bank, 18%. Mm right uh six points to get them as well not including the additional all the closing costs uh that was 1990. that property almost put me in bankruptcy I, I, people people don't realize how good interest rates are right now oh my god I mean, that was the typical rate back then right yes yes yeah. so it's like when people tell me like oh but it went up a point to four and a half i said what are you kidding what are you kidding me it's it, after your tax implications what is the real number you know right so you know, we that building is now my flagship property. Oh wow! Um, it's okay. it's only a few blocks away from the Barclays Center, um, and it, it's literally drawing off tons of cash flow every month. I, I'm a partner with my dad with that one, um, and it, it, that's a property I'll never get rid of ever. You know, I, I even yeah. tell my wife and my kids, 
if I should drop dead tomorrow, you could sell everything, but do not sell that one. Um, yeah. Because that's just going to keep appreciating because of its location. The rents continue to go up. The tenancy is great. It's just unbelievable. And and the other thing is I tell I tell everybody is, you know, be open to everything. Um, like a lot of my properties are mixed-use properties, which is where you have residential on top, commercial on the bottom. Um, I don't care what the property is. It could be industrial. It could be commercial. It could be condos, townhomes, vacant land. As long as the numbers make sense, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a certain formula you use when you're – I mean – you're you're investing in so many different areas and helping people, so I imagine it's kind of got to be custom to that particular area, maximizing the opportunity as well. Right? Well, I mean, you, we we all know the seventy thirty split, right? You're, yeah. You're after your renovation value, you want to be at seventy percent of the value, right? You're all in. I don't I don't really align to that. I I want to be. I was always no no more than sixty sixty five. But John, what happens is as you get I found this happened to me, and I'm sure this has happened to you. Um, my brother-in-law asked me once, "What is it that you look for in a property? When you what what makes you decide to buy that property?" And the first, my response to him was, "The first thing I do is I look for every reason why I shouldn't buy it." Hmm. Um, and then if it still makes sense, I'll start looking into why I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because when you get to, when you, as you become more experienced and as be, as you become more successful, the deals are coming to you. You're not, it's right. not like you're chasing them like you used to be, right? So right. now you could cherry pick the deals, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's the same thing with money, right? In the beginning, nobody would lend me money. Now it's like they're throwing money at me. Well, I, I don't right. need it now, right? You know, it's so as you get more successful and the more you do it, and the, the over the you know the more hurdles you overcome, um, the more experience you get, the more people entrust with you, and you know they, they'll bring they'll bring you the deals as well as the money. Yeah, the very first thing I ever learned in, in real estate uh, really was from my father-in-law at the time, very successful real estate investor, and he was like, you you got to follow the numbers and do not make an emotional decision. Like, That's right. You see so many people chase the deal to where, or they start repenciling the deal, like, oh, maybe I could you know, squeeze the budget and maybe yes. instead of getting X, I could get Y for an exit. Those are the deals that we start to see not make sense because other, you know, people are chasing that deal, pushing the price up. That's and right. so then you see people make these emotional decisions, um, you know, on that real estate. And typically that doesn't work out. I'm not saying it doesn't sometimes. I mean, but typically those are you're talking about looking at it. Why shouldn't I do this deal? I mean, yeah, you almost have to talk this building we're in. Like, you had to talk me into it. I it, th there was three doctors that bid against me, and I was like, let them have it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to face it. And then two months later, when they didn't close, they came back to me, and I got a better deal than I was so had on the table. So I mean, I got funny, John. Yeah. Isn't it so funny how it's the deals that you walk away from when they come back? They're always the better deals. It, it's just yeah it's it's becoming detached from it and being like well whatever if if it's meant to be it will will happen right. you know there's in the deals that you you typically lose right behind it is a right. deal that i'm always like i wouldn't have been able to do that deal or this deal if i did that other deal so i'm so glad that that uh, that 
the deal I was so fixed on, you know, if it blows up, oh, well, I mean, just because when it's all said and done, I'm happier with the deal that's right behind it. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Don't, don't, I, I tell everybody the same thing. Don't get emotionally involved and don't, the deals I've done, the worst, the worst deals I've done are the deals that I've chased. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let them chase you. But in the beginning, it's not like, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, for there's probably a lot of new investors looking at or watching this and it, maybe some that aren't so new, but the ones that are been, have been doing it a while, they all know the same thing I'm guessing. But those new, like, how do, how do we? Or how, I tell how, do I tell my new investors, don't be me, don't make my mistakes. So yeah. I'm extremely competitive. I don't lose, and I don't take losing very well. I'm a sore loser. I mean, it it ails me when I lose, to the point yeah. where I don't sleep. Um, and I had to remove myself because, especially when you go to the auctions, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you go to the auctions. It's easy to get emotionally involved in those auctions, yeah. whether it's whether it be online or whether you go to the courthouse steps. Stick to your numbers. Become disciplined. Don't go. To, don't get over anxious. Um, the other thing, as I tell people, when you go to the auctions, it's extremely emotional. I, I I realized when I started going to different county auctions and I was going into new areas, I would go at least seven to eight times. Whether it be one, or, you know, sometimes they don't have so many auctions in one county, but they'll have them in the other counties surrounding it. And you'll see the same players. Um, they'll talk to each other with signs, right? So the, the big fish in the pond there, although they're competing against each other, they don't want a, a new competition coming in. They're going to bid you up. And by the, right. time you, you, by the time you're done, you overpaid, and you're probably going to end up selling that property to one of those big fish at a lesser price, right? which has happened right. to me on both sides. I've been on both sides of that scale. So I made a lot of mistakes because I'm a sore loser and I hate to lose. Uh, so it took me a long time to detach the emotional side from the real estate, from thinking that I was losing when I wasn't winning the bid or when I was, you know, somebody else was bidding against me and putting in a higher price point. Let them have it. Yeah, yeah. Let the ego with them win. Yes. Take your time to the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I learned a long time ago, it's like, what's bigger, your ego or your bank account? So That's right. So that ego, right? Yeah, so. listen, I, I'm not going to kid. I still drive, I drive a Honda Accord that's from 2012. Um, can I drive, I, I can drive pretty much any car I want. Um, my biggest problem is I, I just I hate going shopping for a car. Yeah. So. It's not a good experience. I was in the car business for a long time, so <laughs> no. I understand. I I was in it, and I hate doing it. Yeah, so. I mean, I get I get a we get a new car. We get a we lease a new car every three years for my wife. Uh, but for my car, it's either you know my work truck or my 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 Honda, and they run great. And it's not that I don't. So when I my goal was to always have that hundred thousand dollar car, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you get there and you could afford it, for whatever reason, you just don't. It doesn't it doesn't allure you anymore does that make sense i'm not sure a hundred percent so, <laughs> so I, I i can't tell you like and i'll just elaborate on it like same thing when you actually have the opportunity to go buy that or in my mind it was like well you could go get that or you could go get another property right exactly so, <laughs> so it's it becomes this uh it's, it becomes very addicting to just start stacking houses versus 
you know, oh, yes. taking money out and say, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go buy this. It It's very difficult to do, right? And a lot of people will say, well, okay, then go buy an asset with that money and then you could pay for the car that way. Uh -huh. that's, a, that's a tough one too because that's your income from that asset paying for it. It's still... Yeah, it's still I, difficult. That, that's my biggest problem. So my wife and my kids are like that. Says you buy condos without even going to look at them, and you have yeah. a hard time buying a car that's worth that you're spending less than on the condo. I says, yeah, but the condos and that's that gives me money every month, you know. Yeah. And I know that area, I know that community. I don't even all I need is the pictures to make a decision. I'm placing offers, whether it be a market, below market, irrelevant, right? Um, right. You know, I can make a decision like this on that. When I buy in a car, it just it hurts me. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at this piece of metal. I'm like, every time I put my keys in that car, I just lost money. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say, uh, no, I do drive a, a salvage title Prius, uh, but I also have a, a different car too. So Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 we, have a, we have a really good, nice car for the fam. When I go out with my wife, I'm like, I'm not going to. But when my daily activities, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm using my Honda Accord because it's easier to find parking if I, if I don't have to use my work truck, you know, for yeah. the interior or whatever. Well, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, you get in a nice car and then you're doing work in it. I can't tell you how many times I've been upset with myself because I just tore leather or, you know, yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> bags or whatever. You're getting material and you're messing stuff up. Like Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a melon fry. But, okay, so... You you do, you also do like do you do bulk? Is that what I, I do? So let, I, maybe I should like give you the whole scenario. So we started, yeah, okay. you know, we started with the two family. We went over to to the two family with the two storefronts that we eventually converted to four family with the two storefronts, and we kept accumulating property, right? And you know, one maybe one every every year, one every other two years, depending on 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 what we were able to save as a down payment because we, since we were self employed. Uh, we had to come up with a lot of money, uh, minimal yeah. 25, 30% to get away with the PMI insurance and, and, and those other costs. So um, my dad says to me, you know, the neighborhood he had the store in and where I had the video store in wasn't, it wasn't the best in neighborhoods. It was a lot of vacant lots. Uh, it was New York City in the 80s. It wasn't what it is today. And there was a lot of boarded up property as well. So there was a, a, pro a lot across the street where uh, people in the restaurant industry would we, instead of paying the private carters, we'd dump their garbage there, and we'd have the smell and the rats coming over all the time. So my dad says, you know, find out who owns this property. Let's see if we can buy from them just to clean it up so we, we don't have to deal with the smell and the rats. And bought the property for $70,000, uh, which is vacant land. We fenced it. We cleaned it. We rocked it to keep the weeds down as much as possible. And people started coming to the store asking me if I would rent them a parking space there. So I was like, okay, we ended up renting 25 spaces at $150 a pop for $70,000. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't wow. the plan. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. So fast forward a year later, I now take that $150 a month. We didn't spend one red cent of it. We keep putting it into an account, a separate account. And other than paying the kid 50 bucks a, a, you know every two weeks to go pull the weeds and clean and um and, and of course the real estate taxes which were very minimal we buy the lots across the street so but before we buy the lots across the street now we have this money 
I get a developer that comes to me and asks me if I would sell them those two lots, the, regi the original two lots. Now, we have a contract for the two lots across the street. Well, we're negotiating that contract, I should say. So we ended up selling the two lots for $160,000. So I'm thinking, this is great, right? You know, it cost yeah. me 10000 to clean it. Uh, we're making about $80,000 in one year, plus we rented to 25 cars at $150 a pop. I'm moving right across the street. I'll do the same thing. I'm buying that for 70 So now we finally negotiate that deal. I do a 1031. I didn't even know what a 1031 was. The real estate attorney tells me, listen, instead of paying taxes, you should buy do a 1031. And I said, what's that? And he explains it. So I now have 80 grand after we buy the property across the street with the cleaning it up and fencing it. But I know I'm going to have $80,000 left. I says, I don't want to pay taxes on this. I take that $80,000 and I went and put it down two more properties mm. on the 1031, right? Yeah. So now we got the two lots plus two more dwellings, two more four-family dwellings, right? Now we do the same thing across the street with that lot. And within six months, we sell that to another developer for $370,000. Wow. This is not planned, John. This is, just, yeah. this is all evolving as we're going. Right. So I was like, wait a minute. Maybe we're on to something. So now we buy the two lots around the corner that are much bigger for 235 And we take the difference that was left from the 370 and we buy two more properties with that. One was a two-family. The other one was a two-family with a storefront in the same neighborhood. So now the one with the, the lot that we bought for 235 we held on to that for about six to seven years, and we sold that for $1.6 million. Wow. And then we take all that money, we didn't take one red cent either, and we just did 1031s again. And we bought multiple properties with that. So, you know, but the entire time, all these properties that we bought needed full gut jobs, full renovation jobs. So that was another whole learning curve because I'm not going to kid you, John, we got robbed. I mean, I got robbed the first three years on the renovation with contractors and material. I got robbed so bad, these guys should be in jail. You know, wow. Yeah. That's how bad we got raped. Um, but again, learning experience and it never happened again. Right. So. Yeah. Usually that's what happens. You, you pay the price once and now you're hypersensitive to it. Oh, my God. Yes. Like contractor comes to me, says he needs a deposit. I said, walk out the door. You know, I'm, I'm making sure the materials on the job so you don't have any cost. Your labor is your cost. So I'll pay you according to what you do. So, so I want to touch on something here that. Uh, you're you're not touching it sounds like these investments so I, I i think this is key for people listening so you're not touching that money so technically you're making your money doing something else you have a yes. different day job right well that was when we had at the time we had you know it was a video store first then the beeper business then the okay. cell phone business and all simultaneously, we had another 14 ATM machines out that we were putting in different mm -hmm. locations. I had two laundry mats. I, I was, we were, I was, my brother and I, we were, and, and my dad, we were literally increasing our retail business and our real estate business simultaneously. Yeah. And, and John, I got to tell you something. We, none of us, I would get one day off every three weeks. Wow. One Sunday every three weeks. Okay. Um, it was it was extremely sacrificing. It was extremely mentally and physically unhealthy. But the rewards are now. Yeah, which I, which I, I want to touch on, and I want to talk to you about that. Like, 
Um, well, I'm just going to talk about it now. And I want to recap real quick. A lot of people just want to jump right into the real estate. And I don't, you could do it. I just think like being able to, if you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, whatever, and you're able to straddle that, great. And be able to invest in real estate, not necessarily take from it and take those, take that income that you're getting and redeploy it back out. That's been our model too. So it's talking to you, it's uh, very interesting how similar our models are. I didn't have ATM machines and stuff like that. I was more like I worked in car finance and I worked five days on, five days off, two days on, two days off. So I worked half the month. So the half I wasn't working, I was doing real estate, right? Okay. So I did that until real estate could afford me to make a, a move and then I got into lending with, with the bank anyways so very similar as far as that goes taking a, a day off every every three weeks I want to talk about that but I want to talk about it in the context of what do you think it takes to be successful like nowadays or back then or whenever like what it take your father for example I mean obviously you learned work ethic from your your dad oh, I'm oh my dad was an animal when he came to work and, yeah yeah, and, and there was so, no excuses with him. Like if you came to him, if he gave you a job to do, and you came back with it was undone, and you gave him an excuse, he, his blood pressure would go through the roof. So you did everything possible to figure out how to resolve that problem before you went back to my to my dad and said, you know, I can't do it, and this is why because it, it was not a good, it, it wouldn't have been good for you. So you know, thinking back, did I hate it at the time? Yes. But now it's like it was the best training that I could have ever had. Like, you know, figure it out. Right. Figure it they, out. You have to do that every day on a property. And every time you're working and for people listening, what Dan's talking about is like if you're doing real estate investing, you're going to have people that should know exactly what to do working their job. That could be a general contractor, owner of a plumbing company or electrical they're, they need you to be the problem solver. And that's really what you're, you're there to do. And it's amazing how people get stuck. But to Dan's point, like, there's no excuse for not getting the job done, period, the end. You either got it done or it's excuse, right? Yeah, and people start exactly. giving you excuses like, hey, I just need one excuse of why it didn't happen. I don't need to hear all of them. Like, right. we either make it happen or not. So hard work and do what you say you're gonna do. Right. right. And, I mean, and, 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 and I got to say, your spouse, that significant other, whoever that may be, mm -hmm. has got to be on the same on the same uh, board with you. Like you can't have two horses pulling the wagon and going in a different directions, one to the right, one to the left. It won't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. You have right. to be pulling that wagon together. So, you know, I remember before I married my wife and I said, to, you know, if, if you're looking for the husband that's going to be watching 11 o'clock news with you every night and in bed with you at 11 o'clock and having dinner with you at six o'clock don't marry me I'm not that guy because the money I need to make isn't I got to be in the street that's where the money's at um, yeah and then when I come home late at night I got to now get all my paperwork done so I could be organized the following day when I go out so you know I'm not that individual if that's who you want to marry um, so I was very upfront with her um, and, and you know it, it, you, you got to be on the same board. If you're not, it's just something's going to suffer. Your family, your kids, or your business. And most of the time, it's all three. Yeah, this is very true. Very insightful. And thank you for sharing that. 
So hard work, do what you say you're going to do, and having a spouse partner on the same page. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to tell you how many people in our business, um, they may be successful financially, but their family lives are ruined, right? Right. Um, a lot of times it's because they get, um, once that money starts really coming in, they get overzealous, right? And mm-hmm. they start living that life, that high life, right? Right. Um, a lot of them, you know, it's, be, it's the, the spouse couldn't couldn't uh, handle, not, you know, the other one not being home or, or, or lack of that other individual uh, time for the family, right? So, it's a tough life. It's not. It's not a life I recommend for everyone. But, like I said, you know, in my my personality, I hate to lose. So there's nothing I'm gonna do that I'm not gonna pull. I'm not gonna give it a hundred percent. Right. I'm a real sore loser. So. <laughs> well, being competitive, I think, is good. I, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. So the the the. One of the other things I'm picking up here, and this this is one I talk about, but it was it was given to me, and I think I overlooked it often. And one of my mentors uh, a handful of years ago, you know, also mentioned sacrifice, the sacrifice that sometimes you have to make to be successful, and that's working those hours. It's not being home at six for dinner, watching the eleven o'clock news. That's out there grinding and making it happen, but. You know, we look, I look at it years later, like I look at you and I'm listening to your story about how the sacrifice also of not taking those short wins that you could have flipped these properties, put it in your pocket, went and bought that Ferrari, Lamborghini, whatever it is. Right, right. No one would have blamed you and you could have, you, you could have, you know, lived, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't mean any disrespect to the people out there driving the Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all that stuff. It's just a different road. Uh, that it it is, and I and more power to you if that's what you do, if that's what you're happy doing. I'm not, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying what worked for me was living below my means and having a spouse that understood that, right, and wasn't um, angry when I would say, you know, yeah, we have all this money in the bank, but we're not spending it on new lawn furniture. I'm not going to spend it on a new vehicle. Um, well, this well, is for my well, next investment. In doing so, though, when we saw hard times like 2008-9, because you weren't over leveraged, you weathered that storm better than most. John, I got to tell you, we saw. I kind of saw it coming towards the end of 2006. There were things that were happening that just didn't make any sense. Yeah. And I'm not going to kid you. I'm starting to see the same patterns again, right. um, especially when it comes to the to the builder side. Um, and what they're doing as far as how they're releasing their lots, and, and but the point and the and, and the and the lack of labor, um, mm-hmm. so I'm starting to see all those same patterns again. And as a result, I'm not going to kid you, we we got rid of about uh, 50% of our inventory, um, not on the long-term holds in New York, on the long-term holds in certain parts of Jersey and in Central Florida. So in Central Florida, I own a lot of condos. I love the okay. condo business. It's a niche where not a lot of investors go into, so it's less competition. Um, and we've figured out a way how to really vet the HOAs. So we, we really do well with that. Um, the other thing we do is buy a lot of land. So when things are bad, you know, where people go buy gold and silver, I buy dirt. And if I sit on it for 10 years, I don't care. Cause then I, 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 I usually, we usually make about 300% return on that. Yeah. Um, so, I guess what I'm saying is 
you know, familiarize yourself and make sure that you, uh, I, the only thing I could, the biggest thing I could tell people is um, watch John, watch myself, uh, learn from John, watch from people, you know, and, and, and people like himself as you're learning simultaneously save money because those opportunities are going to come. And if you don't, you know, you may recognize them, but if you're not financially prepared, you can't take advantage of them. So in 2008, we sat around for about nine months and 10 months. And then in, in 2009, we went out and we started buying heavy again. We were buying real heavy. Real were heavy. you back in New York or where were you buying? We were buying in New York, but primarily in, in, uh, in Central Florida. Uh, yeah, because stuff in Central Florida was probably close to free. Oh, my. so condos that are now, and I, I don't buy real sexy stuff. I buy, I don't buy a, a D class. Pro I'm more like between a C plus and a B minus class property. Um, we were picking those up as low as eighteen thousand dollars, putting three grand into them. Um, mm. At the time, renting them for like six fifty. Um, now with the same square footage, same one bedroom apartments, I can't, I can't buy them for less than one thirty, one forty. And the rents are about twelve to fourteen hundred. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why we went into Detroit. Same same thing. I felt like where's bottom, and let's 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 just see where this goes because I could afford to lose a little bit. And they were yes, you know yes. five thousand dollars, and we put four to five grand, and we put three thousand into them. We'd be in them eight, and uh, we'd get. You know, six fifty to seven hundred bucks a month in rent. Same, very similar as far as that goes. Yeah. Now those are, you know, I don't know, eighty to one hundred and twenty-five thousand, and you're getting twelve hundred. This, the numbers are very similar. I, I, um, as far as like what it's producing, there's. That was kind of a gut check too. Just being honest with you, like going going back and like, is this what, you know, where's everything going? Yeah, I got to tell you, it was scary. I'm not going to, when I was I buying, was it was, say, yep. I was scared. But after the first year, John, we were, up until 2017, we were doing about 195 closings a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, that last year, I was lucky if I did 40. Because the numbers yeah. just don't, don't make sense right now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's getting back to what you said. If the numbers don't make sense, don't do it. Right. Well, it's kind of like the truth, the truth, like getting back to the, the truth or comfort. The fact is, is that, you know, going into the market in 2009, that was that was not um, nobody was doing it. There was no, no competition. That's nobody. why properties were trading for 15,000 or whatever you were paying for them. They were so low because banks were just trying to get rid of that stuff, get it off their balance sheets. John, we were buying stuff in a place called Point Siena, Florida, which is right next to Kissimmee. Um, we were picking up houses that were sold for $355,000 five years earlier in short sales, or sometimes foreclosures, REI. And we were picking them up at 60 grand. And yeah. they didn't need much work, painting on the outside, some landscaping, you know, most of the time, most of the time the appliances were gone, but in general, everything else was there. Um, and we were flipping those at 110, 120. Weren't making a big killing on them, but we were doing the volume. Right. Those houses are back up to 350 now. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I think it's, uh, um, it's watching what everybody else is doing and do the exact opposite.
yes. which could go right back to what's going on today. Like all these people jumping in, doing all this stuff. It's like, I don't know. Like it makes me nervous. It sounds like it makes you a little bit nervous. Oh, I'm, I'm extremely cautious right now. Yeah. As I'm on, like I have, it has to make total sense in it. I need to be in and out as quick as possible. Not only that, if it's something, if it's something that, whether it's a fix and flip or a long-term hold right now, my numbers are 55% of after renovation value. And if it, and everyone says to me, well, you're never going to get anything. I said, well, I am still picking up very few. I said, but if the market drops 30%, I'm still safe. Yeah. You know, because again, I don't need it, just like you don't, right? right? You don't want to buy a job. You don't want to buy a right. headache. You want to buy an asset producing that's going to produce cash flow. So in the event I don't flip, if I can't flip it, I, I did my my other strategy is the rental side. Or of course I want to be in a side where if I don't want to either do one of those, I could always wholesale it out. I don't I right. don't really do that much, but um, you know those are the three exit strategies. I, li- I like it. Well, you've been doing this for a long time. You've had a lot of uh, success. Uh, you know, I knew I liked you. I like you even better after this conversation. You're <laughs> very you. humble. You're very humble. Like, oh, seriously, I you. think that's incredible. Uh, a lot of people uh, I found that are truly successful have that humility. You have that. So, uh, oh, thank yeah, you I, so much. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I love hearing and seeing and talking to people that are out there doing it, making it happen. Plus, you're out there sharing. And, and let's, let's touch on that. Uh, yes. You're helping people. Could we yes. talk a little bit? Like, t- talk to me about like your program or-, or So I, you, I don't really have a program because I'm not, I haven't monetized this in any sense. Um, so I started doing this um, because my, my daughter, Dana, actually was really instrumental in, in pushing me in this direction. Um, and the more I started doing it, and after she set everything up, because I was like, all right, I'll do it if you set it up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I said, you know what? I think I like this. And I actually, somebody reached out to me and said they, they thanked me um, as a result of some advice I had given them uh, via a private message, how successful they, 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 they were in accomplishing uh, the closing of this one deal. And then, you know, they, they called me up and asked me how to refinance later on after they did the, you know, the birth system. And, and so I said, you know what, I really enjoyed it. And then I just kept doing it. Um, and now it's to the point where I do it at free mentorship class every Wednesday night. Um, it's via Zoom. So if anyone, I, and I had to do that because I, it was just too much time. It was time consuming answering individual questions. So yeah. if they come on there, you could ask me whatever you want. Um, and then, um, you know, at, as a result of COVID, after the first three weeks, we were really locked down here in New York. Um, got, I caught up to everything, and I was like, all right, what do I do now? And I started mm-hmm. focusing more on social media, and then I realized I was enjoying that as well. So yeah. the biggest thing, and the other thing, the reason I'm saying this is because, guys, get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. When you're in your comfort zone, you're not making no money. You're not helping yourself or anyone else. Right. So I got out of my comfort zone. You know, um, and and now I I I think I may start monetizing it only because it's got to just now it's consuming so much time that it's taken away from um, other avenues of income. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's a key thing. Like people don't realize how many like DMs you get asking questions. 
about how to get started, right? Specifically, you said REIA.org. Is that what you you were talking about? You do your Zoom call. Oh, I do it. Uh, it's called. It, it's. I don't really even have a name for it. They go to my website, USA Land Ventures. You could sign up. It's for free. It's a free real estate, uh, real estate investor mentorship class. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's great that you give back like that. That's phenomenal. I, I yeah. misunderstood. I thought you were talking about the local meetups that they do. Well, no, listen, I'm glad you even brought that up. And that's something I, I always stress and we should always bring that up. Guys, you want to be successful in this business? Go to those local meetups. Um, go to your city uh, council meetings. Uh, volunteer at the block associations. You know, you want to be that person that everyone wants to come to. Um, yeah. And that person everyone trusts to get advice from. And the deals will follow. It's like planting seeds, you guys. It's like putting deposits out there. And what happens is the more you do stuff, and, and more importantly, you said comfort zone earlier. The biggest thing when getting started and investing is getting out there networking. People are scared because they don't know the verbiage. They don't know, they don't know what they don't know. And so we always tell people, go to the, it's REIA.org. There are local meetups everywhere. They, I think they cost five to 25 bucks, something like that. Yes. They may have changed, but um, it's one of the first things that we recommend because you're going to go out there, you get out of your comfort zone, you get a network and you get to find out also what's going on in that area. If that's where you choose to invest, what's selling, what's, you know, what's the hot product. You'll meet lenders to uh, investors, to contractors, you name it, because everybody wants to, you know, keep their finger on the pulse. So that's why we recommend it. It's kind of accomplishes a lot. And we also uh, recommend people going to the auctions, obviously, but Hey, in total agreement, like go watch for, you know, a dozen times. Don't try Minimal. Don't go there and think you're going to buy right away. Probably no. observe for the first handful of, yes. of times you yeah. go. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, get involved with your community. Um, so I, there was, a, I'll never forget, his name was Gilbert Rivera. And there was another gentleman, older gentleman, uh, Pete Albanese. And I was lucky enough that they took interest in me. And I remember Gil, Gilbert, he was like, man, I, he goes, I could see it in your eyes. It's like, you got this burning desire in your, in your gut. And I said, I do, I, but I feel like I'm not moving fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, uh, you, st you got to start going to community board meetings. You got to start going to the, and I realized sitting in the back of the community board meeting, and I felt so uncomfortable in there because everybody in there was, you know, now thinking back they weren't really big shots they were making themselves out to be big shots yeah yeah, yeah. um they drove so, up in the ferrari yeah so i'd sit in the back and i would just listen and i started realizing wait a minute uh they're going for a variance on such and such corner and then they're going to approve it let me go buy the vacant lots that are around the corner from that or down the corner you know and that's how i started buying before everyone else in the neighborhood knew what was coming but it wasn't a secret or they could have gone to the same community board meeting it's, it's right it's it's published in the local newspaper um uh, you know so it's it wasn't a secret but you want to learn information is invaluable and if you can learn where the where the, where the new development is coming like if they're expanding a hospital for instance uh if they're expanding one of the colleges or they're expanding they they're putting in a you know a, a a Dunkin Donuts or a Burger King those guys don't get it wrong you know if they're putting yeah. in a new Walmart 
those guys don't get it wrong. They they spend millions and millions of dollars on their on their, you know, demographics um, and figuring out where the demographics are going to be moving to, right? The migration of people. So why reinvent the wheel? Right. Yeah. Leverage other people's information and knowledge and effort and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, we just closed up on an hour. I really appreciate yes. your time. It's been uh, it's been incredible to get to learn about your experiences, how you got going in real estate. I can't wait to share this with the listeners and get this out there. And uh, could you uh, give like if people want to get hold of you? I know you gave your website here a few minutes ago, but maybe that and your social media handle so, you yeah get. my social media you go uh, if you go to daniel barrero jr.com that'll bring you right to my website or you go to usa land ventures um on either, on anything whether it be uh facebook uh, instagram linkedin or or literally any any format um not twitter i mean even twitter but i don't really do much on twitter to be honest this again there's only so many hours in a day yeah 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 i so just many started platforms. a youtube yeah i just started a youtube channel um, I've had it for a few years, never did anything with it until COVID hit. Um, and, and so I'm just trying to get that off. So if anybody's listening to this, if you want to subscribe to that, you'd be doing me a big blessing. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that, and again, those that are listening, Dan offers some really good tips and, uh, just information. Like if you are an investor or want to be, want to get going in investing, I would say follow his his page because he's always putting something out that is of value and and things that you should be paying attention to if you want to be successful and if you don't want to make those mistakes that you know a lot of us have made that you know we didn't have information flowing no. uh, like this so yeah no, this, take, take this, the guesswork out and, and follow and then sounds like they could join you on Wednesdays you said? Wednesday nights yeah 8 p.m. Eastern eastern time that would be 5 p.m your time yeah, uh, yeah yeah your time would be difficult because i'm sure people are just getting home from work or whatever uh, you'd be surprised how many people are just i see them zoomed in with, when they're driving home in traffic right they're using their phones um but yeah you know and we, we do a lesson plan the first half an hour is a lesson plan the second half an hour is pretty much q and a's um on whatever um, they want to ask because sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with the lesson plan because it's it's a, it's a live thing where they're actually maybe in the middle of a construction job now or renovation and they, they want to get information on that. But again, uh, it's all for free. And, and for now, for now, yeah, I, yeah, don't know, yeah. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing it. We're up to session uh, 32 right now. Yeah, well, I understand. I mean, it starts to take time, energy and effort. And, you know, now that we're opening back up or you guys are, you know, you got to get, you only have so many hours in the day. So I think yeah, John, I would love to get you on that, uh, that that Zoom one day if possible. Anytime. You just let me know. I'd love to come on and, and, and talk yeah. with you and the, your guys, your students and all that. Like, I'd love the opportunity. And I want to get you back on here uh, on an episode where we talk about mindset. Like, I know that that's a big piece. Like, uh, you seem uh, bulletproof as far as that goes. But I'm going to save that for our next uh, our next one. How about that? You know, yeah, John. I just quick question. Sure. What is your response when you get a question asked you when this question is asked you? How do I invest in real estate, but I don't have money or credit? You know, my initial gut yes. is so it goes right back to what your dad said to you. If your dad said, "Go out and find this this type of property and and 
make it happen. You would do it. I think from what, what I tell people often is um, I, I don't worry about the money and I, I just don't. What I worry about is finding the right deal because if I find the right deal and I don't have the money, the money will come to me. It, well, it that's you me. now, right? So when you first started though, that wasn't you, right? So, n no, it wasn't. But So what I did is I found I would still find the deal but I would have to give up a big portion of that deal to stay in the deal and have a partner on that deal, right? I paid handsomely, I paid 50% and I did all the work, right? So basically someone would work with me but split, the, split it with me and I would still pay points, fees and split the deal after. So let's say I'm walking away with 40%. You know, people are like, well, I'm not gonna do that, why? Part of something's better than all or nothing, first of all. Two, I'm learning from somebody that's been there, done that, and, and gets it but done. But that's assuming now you partner with somebody who's done it. What if, because I get the question asked, they don't want to partner with someone who's done it. They don't want to split those profit margins. Well, the, each do, each one of those is just a door that you open up That's that makes it easier and easier for you to get into it. If you don't want to do those, then those doors get, those are closed, right? Earlier you said be open, right? So I think that that's part of it. But as far as like if if I wasn't open to partnering, I guess I, I need to find a lender that's going to max out with me. I'm probably going to need to leverage somebody else's portfolio to some degree, uh, which I'll let if I'm mentoring someone, I'll let them leverage that. But there's still going to be a minimum of a 10 percent. Right. So now I need to find a bridge lender that's willing to bet on me. And if they're going to this is if I'm new. And understanding this, if they're going to want a piece of something, and they're going to their price for a bridge is going to be expensive money, right? That's you're in second lien position, so you, the deal has to be so good for them to want to do it with you, right? Yeah, so I I kind of lose my patience now. I tell them, I says, yeah, you come to me, you want to use other people's money, you don't have no money of your own. Yeah, thirty five years old, and you got no credit. I says, what have you been doing the last? 20 15 years ago, i know exactly where you're going with this so i'm like yeah. i can't help you <laughs> yeah it, it it definitely back to the point makes makes it to where you become harder and harder to work with i i will take part of something's better than all and nothing i would never even trade i did that model for eight years for eight years right. i gave up half I would never even take any of that back because I learned so much in that eight years. And I often say, if I if I ended up with the wrong type of mentor, I may not be in this industry today. And I remind all of us here that that's the case. Like we have to always be on point and we always have to make sure that we're giving everybody everything we have. That being said though, that sacrifice that we talked about earlier, the sacrifice, whether it's like I have to humble my ego, myself, I have to take less, um, part of something's better than all or nothing. I, let's face it, even if someone lent you the money, how many mistakes are you probably gonna make in that flip? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my point, that's my yeah. point. Yeah, you got a mentor or someone that knows, they know like you talked about your second deal overpaying almost took you out 
those people that were your GCs, basically almost, they should be in jail today, right? <laughs> so these are things though, that if I'm not working, if someone's here, especially locally, I'll work with them closely and monitor that stuff just because it happens all over the place where people get taken advantage of if you're new. And oftentimes that's where we need somebody like helping them. Yes. And if, yes. if you have a partner in the deal, they could show you and make sure that they're, you're getting, you know, the best advice, making sure that you're not getting taken advantage of. And oftentimes they have a vested interest in it as well. Well, they do because they're helping you. Right. And they lent you money in most cases. So yeah, it just makes it harder. And especially now the market that we're in is so competitive. The odds of getting like you get deals because people bring those to you and they know this is going to fit Dan's criteria. He's going to be able to take this down like that. So, and you were probably not the first choice, just being honest, like no, the no. deal probably fell out a couple times. Yeah. I'm the guy you come to when it's a problem. Yeah. That's and same as you, right? We're problem solvers. Yeah. That's what we do. We, we, I call it, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm a fireman. I'm the guy that you, that you, you call me and I'm the guy who runs into when everyone's running out of the building, I'm running in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm the financial social worker. Um, you know, so how many times have you had to like show people the light, right? Hold their hand and bring them to the light because you know, they keep, keep putting their head in the sand and that's why they're financially distressed with the property. So it, it we're problem solvers and that's what, that's why they come to us. Well, I also think for people that are in that spot, um, you talked about a 35 year old poor credit all this stuff you've made some pretty poor decisions and that's why where you're at currently is in that spot and and i'm not saying shame on you but i am saying you have to do things dramatically different than what the way you've been doing them right. if you want to get ahead and that that's just you got to fix your credit you want to fix your credit if it's in it it may like i know you could buy houses with no credit fine but you want other options opened up to you. You want to be able to take advantage of it. Fix your credit, folks. Make sure that that stuff's solid in all areas. It just shows discipline. It shows you know that you know how to take your responsible person. There's all these different things that, as an investor that people look at. Like they may not say they don't take it into a, a account necessarily, but if they pull your credit and see that you have collections and unpaid bills, what do you think? What do you think they're gonna think? Yeah. It, 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 and, and it's life. Even your insurance company is pulling your credit right now too. You know, the, the worse your credit is, the higher your insurance is. It's, yeah. it's it's essential. But again, John, I gotta tell you, thank you so much. I'm humbled for being here. Oh man, I, I appreciate. I it. have a great time talking to you. I've been following your content forever. Um, the stuff you're putting out, especially when you're talking from the car, it's like, man, it's so spot on. It's. <laughs> I know. appreciate that. I, yeah. I, I sincerely do, and I feel the same. I, I, I really do. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to do this again. Let's do it on my platform. Do you do any IG lives? Because if you do, I'd love to have you come on as well. Yeah, let's 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 make it happen. Let's, we'll touch base. Let's do something as early as next week. Whenever you want me on your 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 Wednesday training, I'd love to be on too. You just name yeah. it. Yeah, I got let's your just, cell phone number. You got mine. So let's make it happen.